Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown. I'm your host, Kat. And I am T-K. Hello, T. Pause, K. How are you? I am okay. I am TK is okay. I don't really like to use the term busy because it doesn't really communicate the work I'm doing. Like it just, you're accomplishing. Would you say you're getting some things done? You're getting, I I like to say I'm getting a lot of things done. Yes, I'm getting things done. Or that I'm Denzel Washington says something about that. Or that I'm managing my abundance. Like there's no way to have a lot without doing a lot. Yeah. Denzel Washington had a quote. I don't know if he made this up, but don't confuse uh, working more with getting things done or something Mm, like that. That's very true. That's very true. And people a lot of times um, kind of fall into that. But um, it's, you know, we're we're getting into it's very cold around here. I don't know when this is actually going to air, but. Um, when it's cold like this, I know I'm very apt to get like seasonal affected. What is it like the sad, like seasonal depression or whatever. So I've been making sure I've been staying very warm and eating very good food and going to bed when I feel like it and, um, and avoiding triggers as much as I can. Of course, you know, a family stuff, it's not always possible, but I've been um, actively trying to engage in things that make me feel comforted and avoid things that make me feel insane. Yeah, that. But, um, the bio, but we're about to read the Bible, so how good of a job am I doing? <laughs> well, hopefully, after reading it, better. One can only hope. Um, probably not, though. I'm usually pretty bummed out after I read the Bible because it makes me sad that so many people say they devote their lives to it and they've never read it and it's bad. You know, I don't know how I feel about it anymore um, because I was watching this thing that said, May, we're in a simulation. We are. Like, all you need for it to be a simulation is rules. So, yeah, like, our existence has rules. But like any game, just make it a fun game. Like get some skins, get some coins, no, I feel and, like this is and go to work. Whatever. Like get some skins, get some coins, and go to work on these hoes. It's not whatever because it, then it shatters my illusion that I had as a child of, oh, the world is full of honorable people. And I think a lot of people what does feel that like mean? This. Like this if that, probably- what does that mean if it's not a simulation? Like what does that have to do with it being a simulation? Well, I say that because it's like I'm continuously uh, appalled by things that happen in the world. Like the, you know, we talked about Israel, Palestine. We talked about like just in just people's reactions to like how they view certain problems or like it's just like you can't be fucking serious. Like this can't be how you really think. Uh, The thing I texted you about the other day, the Josh Giddy. Thing which has not really been addressed, um, and I have a whole, my whole thing about that. But the 
the lady because the reason I even brought it up was because there's this lady named Malika Andrews. She's on ESPN. For those who don't know, that's a sports network. Um, and anytime a it seems to be anytime that a black player or a black man in the sports profession has encountered or has had any trouble, she's the first one to like say something about it. And it's kind of like she'd be doing that tap dancing thing for the whites. And so, but when Josh Giddy got in trouble, it was not even addressed really. And so she, so a lot of people brought that up. So that's what I mean by like, I'm just like, we can't be fucking serious. Like people really think like this. Like it just continues to surprise me. And like, I know I shouldn't be surprised, but it does, man, because it's like, what happened to just us? Like we're all in this kind of together. Like why? No, why we're not. We not. God likes me better because I give this oh church money. <laughs> I just don't. So I get vibe. more stuff because God likes me more. Yeah, no, I don't vibe with that at all. Like I, but this is the conversation I was telling you about what I have with my cousin about being very, to me, helping people in empathizing with people is actually the key to the spiritual connection that we're seeking to me. I don't think it's this book. Maybe some things in this book can help us do that. But then there's also a lot of things in this book that we shouldn't do. Hmm. So, oh, okay. So. so here's another interesting thing. So uh, who's the dude from the NBA? Josh something. Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy. Don't even know what he looks like. Okay. So he's, um, He's a so he, is he American? Is he from here? He's Aust. From what I heard, he's Australian. Is he white? He's white, of course. Yes. I don't know. You know, you can't assume. He could be Asian. We don't know. A lot of Asian. He's people an Australian there. basketball player. He's a white Australian because I like to remind people Australia has an indigenous population. So they yeah, they're not just do. huh. I said they definitely do. Yeah, so um, so he's a twenty year, twenty one year old Australian dude, and he's dating a seventeen year old. Is she in America? That is what I was trying to. Uh, I have like to be fair, I haven't went too too much into it, so I'm not sure if she's American or not. What I've under what I did find out though is that in Australia the age of consent is 16. Well, we ain't in so, Australia. We in America, baby. We're not we're not. So we're you can't not. you can't pull that shit when you go other places. You can't, but I can understand God damn it. I'm not about to I don't want to feel like I'm defending this baby. Good, don't. But but I I I don't think the first thing of his priorities is learning the American laws. Um, that's a pretty big one. Here's the thing. If you're an adult and you meet a teenager, like, yeah, maybe you just ask some questions about what's cool and what's not. Well, from what the story is being spent out, from the little bit I have understood is that she may have lied about her age. That don't matter. Like, that's the thing. You're an adult. The responsibility is on you. So, yes, as an adult, I know when I'm out, some people do lie about their age. So that's why before you, you know, it's risky to get involved with someone before you truly know them. So I feel like that's information. Men, women, non-binary, everybody. Like before so are you, you check an ID? Well, another thing you can do besides just check ID is get to know someone. 
So like after when you get to know someone, eventually you'll figure out it's like, huh, I never can get a hold of them between nine and three o'clock in the afternoon. I wonder if it's because they're in class. You know what I mean? Like you get to know people's lives. It's like, where do you work? Where do you go to school? Oh, you're in high school. Let's not talk anymore. Like these are yeah. the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no way to get to know a person and not figure out they're still in high school. OK, I'm going to go. Gosh, I'm going to get smoked for this probably. Yes. Technically, what Josh Giddy is involved with is wrong. I don't necessarily want him to be crucified because I don't see the age difference. I think he should stop fucking with her. Let me say that first of all, foremost. I think he should stop fucking with her. But I also don't think he should be like his career should be ruined for this situation. Yeah. I mean, it's just I wish our society would stop normalizing dating teenagers once you're yeah i think it's fucking weird yeah it's weird. like it's weird because i think it's because and it's a visual thing be- so because you know we're we're visual creatures and that's how we've evolved and survived and that's cool and everything but the the fact is because they're i don't know how long have they been dating do we know that uh this was apparently for like several months type okay thing. But apparently this situation also happened last year and it's just now getting brought to the light. But there's also a non-zero chance that she might have been 16 when he met her. Absolutely. So, and I'm just thinking to myself, because I've been 16, I've been 21, I've been 17 and 20. Like, my friends would clown me for dating a high schooler you know what i'm saying it's one thing if we went to high school and i'm just a grade or two above you and i graduated and you're still in high school but even that's weird like if i was a senior dating i don't think that's weird a senior dating a sophomore like i don't i don't know i don't think that's like and this is what i texted you the other day unless your brain vastly in like um grows or evolves between the ages of whatever 15 to 18 or 17 and 21 like i don't think like i think yeah he should again definitely stop talking to her because that's the law and rightfully so like she's impressionable and stuff like that but also again i don't feel like he should lose his fucking career over the shit because the age gap difference is like he's still a, in a, a lot of aspects still kind of a kid like i mean yes he's a grown technically a grown like, man yeah. Technically, yes, he's 21. He can go to the bar. But he's still, his prefrontal cortex hasn't even been developed. It's still mush. Yeah, so yeah. it's like he's still kind but of But I would kid. say the years, those are big developmental years. Like if I was dating someone who was like five years younger than me, that wouldn't be a big deal. Like I'd still basically be talking to a 40-year-old. But like if I'm 20 and I talk to someone five years younger than me, those are... When you, when you are dealing in the realm of prefrontal cortal, you know, develop when you're pre- speaking in terms of brain development, those are huge years. Yeah. Like those aren't it's not like a regular year of brain development after you your prefrontal cortex develops. So um, like I said, I don't necessarily want to see him crucified, but I would like to be a little more scrutiny around these types of relationships. Uh, once again, let's bring up a, um, another basketball great Kobe. Same thing. He was 20 when he started dating his 17-year-old girlfriend. I think it's just weird, like, if you leave practice and go pick up your girlfriend from high school. That shit's weird. 
And it's like, I don't care when it happened. Like, that shit's weird. And I mean, like I said, because I, mean, I, I think I told is, you when you first again, told me about it, like, nobody, if he marries her, nobody's going to care about it. You know what I mean? It'll be whatever, whatever. But that, to me, that still doesn't make it okay. It's just, we just turned to, it's like, all right, well, he agreed to take care of her kids if he knocks her up. Okay, fine, whatever. It is, but the, the to me, the age gap is so small. Like, it'd be different if he was, like, 30. Five years isn't small. It's it's smaller than if he would have if he was like thirty two and he was doing yes. This, there's larger like age then, gaps. Then we but would five. Then we. It's would not two or three. A, I don't know, but also because that means they also, couldn't be. They like, couldn't have is, been in high. That means they couldn't have been in high school together. Okay, like that to me is. Let me say this though, because this is also why I don't always want to see punitive justice. Like I'm not into the whole. And we've had this yeah. debate, cancel culture, everybody lose everything because they made a mistake. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm more not, into exploring uh, restorative justice than just punitive justice. So I feel like, yes, he should be, he should have to, whatever, because of this. Like, he should be restorative justice or whatever because of this. I also feel like allow, like, he should still be able to have his career. And do whatever he's gonna do. Uh, like I said, that might be a part of restorative justice. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't want to ruin anybody's lives, but I also definitely don't want to ruin the lives of young girls who get into no. I absolutely don't men. want that either. That's what I'm saying. So, like I said, we want the best outcomes for the maximum amount of people. So I think a lot of times we prioritize what's best for men and don't think about like, and we just and we just assume that being with with a rich man is going to be what's best for a young girl, and it's not. Like that's that's the that's the point of it. Like people don't see this as being something potentially harmful where it it really can be. But I want to uh, switch the topic real quick. So, yeah, guys, we're we're so talking about the Bible right now. But um, <laughs> um, do you want to remind the people what we talked about last time? Do you even remember last time what we talked about? Last Bible's time? breakdown, Bible breakdown podcast. We talked about uh it was four through seven. So we talked about Ishbo getting assassinated. Uh, I think it was four through six. Four through six. I'm sorry. We're doing seven through nine today. Uh, Ishbo was assassinated. David was anointed the king finally after all his bloodshed. And then David brought the uh, brings the ark to Jerusalem, which, you know, that's still a consequence of what we're dealing with today. And it's magic. And apparently he had a magic box, right? Like you could describe the Ark of the Covenant as a magic box, correct? I only know what Indiana Jones showed me. Okay. Well, no, with what we're reading. Once again, we're reading the Bible. Not we're not reviewing Indiana Jones. But what we've read so far in the canon of what we've read, the Ark of the Covenant could be described as a magic box. Sure. That contains the Lord. Is that what it is? I never was clear on what it was. Well, and see, that's why it's good to, you know, get definitions here. Actually, let's just why don't you ask Bard what the Ark of the Covenant is? So our third host, Bard, um, chat GPT, <laughs> you know, Bard just sounds cooler. It sounds like a friend. Bard. Yeah. It just uh, makes me think of Shakespeare. I also, even though I was in Bard Fest, I do not know why Shakespeare is is associated with Bard. He uh, is the Bard. What the fuck does that mean? He's like the guy. Like he's like that's like that's like old timey English for the goat. Like because okay. the bard is just someone who tells stories. He's just like the ultimate story English storyteller. Oh, that is so unique that uh, Google chose that as the name then. But anyway, um, 
what am I asking? I'm asking, uh, what is, oh. What, what is the Ark of the what Covenant? What is the Ark of the Covenant? Da-da-da-da-da. Ba-ba. Um, the Ark of the Covenant is a sacred artifact described in the Hebrew Bible as a gold-covered wooden chest containing the Ten Commandments, a jar of ma- manna, and Aaron's staff. It was the most sacred object in the Israelite religion. It was kept in the Holy of Holies, the innermost chamber of the tabernacle, and later the first temple and second temple in Jerusalem. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a, yeah, a chest. Magic box. Magic yeah, box. Yeah, magic chests. And um, Those David items was are lame, da- by the way. They are. And um, David was dancing a lot. Um, when he when it came into the city and his wife, uh, Michael, uh, daughter of the uh, now deceased Saul, R.I.P., um, she tried to roast him for it and be like, look at you dancing in front of all these women, you know, trying to basically, you know, be like, you made a fool of yourself. And he was like, no, bitch, you were the one who made a fool of yourself. And um, then he basically God cursed her and she could never have children. Oh, yeah. Well. That's how that it ended off. <laughs> that's why I like to do a refresher. I know sometimes it's remember it's hard to remember what we've read, but yeah, that's what happened the last time um, in uh, Samuel, Second Samuel, chapter six of the New Revised Standard Version. Um, I also really hated how the Bible makes it sound like fertility is up to the Lord. Um, it really messes up a lot of you know, like that's a sad thing to think about. Like if I couldn't have kids, and it's because God's mad at me. I think it's silly, and this goes to the conversation that I was having with my cousin the other day, where it was just like, when I told you he was trying to get me to go to church to find a good woman, and I was just like, dude, I don't do that, and we kind of spiraled off into this talk of like, what kind of God? Like, I, I there's, there's no, whatever kind of God, if there is one, why would I want to follow that? Like, this seems like somebody who wants to punish me. I think what much more, if there is a God to me, what much or what is a more likely outcome is the fact that, oh, they, we have life. They give us these parameters to live within. And then they kind of just let us do our own thing. Like I don't have a direct connection. They're not blessing me with anything per se. It's just like, you know how what metaphor I like to think of kind of like the relationship we have to the cells in our body. Like we have like quadrillions of like cells in our body that are constantly replicating to make us us. And then like we're constantly shedding skin cells and stuff like that and making them. And we're not aware of each individual cell. And we don't know its name or what's going on with it, but it's living its own life cycle and obviously I want to be healthy and so I need healthy cellular turnover for that to happen so in a way I do care about the cells in my body but not on an individual level and I think as much as we can understand God that might be how God feels if there is a God or gods or whatever how it relates to us like because our lives in terms of like the universe are very very short in the same way that the life cycle of a cell seems super short to us just relatively but if a cell had consciousness its whole life would be an experience so um 
But that's also like the cells work better when they work together. Like uh, an example of cells not working well together would be cancer. Like that's when cells stop reproducing healthfully and then start attacking the healthy cells. So I think in a way that um, just as much as we can understand that, And like in our cells, I don't think my cells understand what they're a part of in a larger sense. They just know they have to keep reproducing. So I don't know. I don't know if that made sense or not. But I think that there's no reason to like love or hate God if there is a God in the sense that we think of it like being a person. And I definitely don't think God's a dude. I think that stoicism has helped me. Honestly, stoicism is great. I think that we should all strive to create this balance in our lives where you never get too overly happy and you never get overly sad. I think that works best. Like things happen. People pass away. Uh, You don't always get the thing you want in life. But that doesn't mean that you necessarily failed it just means that it didn't work out and i don't know maybe i come from a different perspective as an actor i have i take a lot of rejection and so one of the things that's taught in acting is um you don't you never get so married to the idea of trying to get the role like just go in and do good work and be comfortable letting it go when you leave the room and so I don't know. That's just kind of how I try to live life, too. Like, oh, this thing didn't work out, but did I do the best I could do? And I did. And, you know, when I die, then, like, hopefully the people around me are like, man, that was a good, that was a solid fucking dude. That sounds like a plan. So, God's covenant with David. Uh, And this is going to be a little long winded, not too much, though. I mean, now it's a covenant. It can't be short. Is a covenant like a promise? Because that's always how I looked at it. Yeah, like marriage is a covenant. <laughs> marriage is a box because it keeps you trapped. Um, <laughs> now, when the king was settled in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in the house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But the same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved, about Among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you and I would make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth and I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more and evildoers shall 
afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise you, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and be and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will punish him with a rod such as mortals use with blows inflicted by human beings. But I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from Saul, who I put away from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and with all of this vision, Nathan spoke to David. David's prayer. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. May this be instruction for the people, O Lord God, and what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have wrought all this greatness, so that your servant may know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is no, for there is no one like you, and there is no God beside you according to all that we have heard with our ears. Who is like your people, like Israel? Is there another nation on earth whose God went to redeem it as a people and to make a name for himself, doing great and awesome things for them by driving out before his people nations and their gods? And you established your people Israel for you and to be your God forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord, God, as for the Lord, uh, as for the word, uh, and now, O Lord God, as the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, confirm it forever. Do as you have promised. Thus, your name will be magnified forever in the same. The Lord of hosts is God over Israel. The house of your servant. David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord, God, you... Sorry, my thing. Adobe keeps popping up. Uh, and now, O Lord, God, you are God, and now your words are true. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue before you for you, that, that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Thanks be to God. Neato. Neato. Okay. A couple things that stood out to me. Okay. Um, was when uh, David's prayer when he said um, that God made a name for himself. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a weird thing. You know, like, does God really need to make a name for himself? Like, you know, like with David doing, like, he's basically saying like his big thing of getting them out of Egypt was like him making a name for himself. But for one, that was a long time ago. And secondly, it wasn't that impressive. People have gotten out of slavery before. 
Yeah, but you got to take it within the context of the time. Mm-hmm. Which would change it how? <laughs> Getting out of slavery probably was very impressive back then. Okay. It's impressive now. Like, I, once again, <laughs> but what did God do to get them out of slavery? Like, we learned the little Egyptian thing, but once again, we've, I feel like it's pretty well established that that's just a myth. Like, that never happened. There's no evidence of that really happening. There's evidence of there being in Egypt. And obviously, Judaism does exist, but I think this is just a founding myth. Okay. I'm. Um- Sort of like, you know, Columbus discovering America. Like, that's not, I mean, of course the thing happened, but we don't, and I don't know, it would be like, and then God helped Christopher Columbus discover America. Because that is sort of the narrative around it. Like, you know, so just because you have this narrative where it's like, oh, the God of the universe, which can do and create anything, really cares about this small piece of land in the Middle East and the people who are doing stuff there. Even though on the planet, there's people everywhere doing stuff. Like, but Are this they still one, teaching really, Chris, really... Christopher Columbus in school? Yeah, yeah. Like he, did, he We still have Columbus it. Day, dude. You didn't get any mail. Like, come on. Well, it's um, Indigenous People's Day, but okay. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, it's still called Columbus Day on the calendar. I'm just, I'm sorry. You were on a, you were on a tangent. I just, it always bothers me that, first of all, it's called the United States of America, not Columbia. So therefore, Americo, Amerigo Vespucci is the one who America is named after. So just, it's, the Mm -hmm. facts are all over the fucking place. It always bothered me. It wasn't, it wasn't a group of smart people who put this together. But it just, like just always because they were brutal. Me. I think it's a nice parallel. Just because people are brutal and violent, it doesn't mean that they're good leaders and smart. Much like David, I think they're very good at. And also, who's Nathan? Did he just pop up? Did we just get a new character? Yeah, inserted. So I'm just season. assuming he's Samuel's replacement. Was he Samuel's understudy, or um, you know? I don't know who is Nathan. So Nathan's here now, and he's hearing from the Lord. Actually, this is the longest statement I've ever heard from the Lord in the Bible, except maybe when, um, you know, when he was rattling off the stuff to Moses. But and he's complaining about not having a house. Like, that's another thing that's weird, too. So God made the universe, but he needs David to make him a house out of wood. Uh, I'm just saying like this I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying is this sounds like lies I think he's making this up so um, because it's, these are very weird impulses for a god they're very common impulses for a man but um, well I again when I was reading that I mean the, the cedar shit I'm just like what what is what would he even do with that like again he created the fucking universe <laughs> Why does he need a wood house? He doesn't. That's the thing. But you know who does? The Levites. I think this, this is Nathan showing up. Sense. It does if you're running a scam. Yeah, I, I think what's happening is Nathan, when he got a you know message from the Lord, his message was like, well, I see the king living in a house of cedar and the priests are living in tents. So the Lord you know needs a better house it's very much uh, similar to the building fund in a lot of black churches where it's like hey 
we're, we're in this building now, but we need a better building. So we need to give extra money on top of tithes so that we can build a better church for the Lord. This stuff like makes <sighs> absolutely no sense. And it just, it makes sense when you're running a scam. But um, also, and it's interesting too, that God even admits that he'll like, he's like, but I'm going to love you. I'm not going to take away my support the way I did with Saul. Like with you, it like it would just be like if I was hearing this from a man where he's like, yeah, I know you see how I dogged out my last girl, but that's not going to happen with you because you're not going to piss me off like that. Those aren't this is what I really want to say. And this is what truly, truly bothers me about current church culture, because people swear up and down that this the Bible is the ultimate good in the, you know, universe because it's not. It's actually sort of the personification of a narcissistic, abusive male ego. Now that gets to be propagated and you can condemn anybody who points out that this is wildly abusive. You'll be like, well, you just want to sin. I'm like, well, because of you, you consider the ultimate sin sex. And I don't. I feel like a worse sin is genocide, which is tacitly endorsing this well not tacitly it's openly endorsed the lord said to go kill all those people down to the last cow and then um slavery i think slavery is a terrible terrible sin but it's very much endorsed here they give you the prices men are worth more than women there you go and so and i don't think sex is a sin at all unless you're doing it without consent yeah and yeah those are three things go no i was i agree with that uh Again, this shit doesn't make sense. And the more I read it, the more I'm just like, why? Like, why would anybody want to follow this? And it's, I mean, again, but it goes back to they they get you while you're young. I don't know how the fuck. I guess in I guess and slavery. Don't leave out slavery. I feel specifically for me. I think because we're both black people in America. I think you know things. I I just think we should be very suspicious of everything that people who consider themselves white have told us to do. Like it, not all of it's bad, but some of it is. And we need to remember they did not have our best interest at heart. They didn't introduce us to Christianity because they wanted us to go to heaven. They did it because they wanted us to stop having slave rebellions. And it worked. And also, I'm just not a fan of the whole, hey, I'll. Uh, the delayed gratification, as it were, of oh if you do things now on earth you'll be in heaven like fuck that give me my heaven now and that's why we're not trying to be meanies i think a lot of people see us as being meanies and making fun of the bible to make them feel bad but it's the opposite we're nicies we're very nice people and i really hate seeing people in pain and suffering when they don't have to be Well, I'm nice. I don't know if TK is. I mean, I would nice. like to think I'm nice, but I feel like we all suffer from that. Like, we all have both. People are nice and people are pieces of shit sometimes. Like, it just happens. It's the two, it's the story of the two wolves. It you is know, that. You know, everybody has that, but it's the one you feed. I'm feeding the nice wolf. I'm feeding both. And then I'm starving the mean one so that when I have to use it, it's super mean. That's or how you it's make dogs dead and you don't have it anymore. No, it's always there. You you have both natures. 
But um, but it's just like in dog fighting, they'll starve it to make it really mean and crazy before the fight. That's so cruel. That's but that's sad. Like don't yeah, dog that's fight. Cruel. That's that's not cool. Oh, that's what I was saying. Yes, like a um, like I know people don't like bringing up race stuff, but it's usually because they don't want it to change. I want it to change, so I bring it up all the time. So I think because black people, um, a big part of everyone's familiar with like the whipping and chains and all that stuff. But there was also a very, very severe psychological campaign waged against us. And I believe it's still going on. Speaking of that, there is a video I have watched about how a lot of the villains in superhero movies or just movies in general are like right. And, like, we identify with the heroes because they live up to, like, the standard that we're used to. But in reality, the villains are challenging the status quo, whereas the heroes are only trying to uphold the status Maintain quo. Maintain it. Yeah. Oh, sure. And I I can't remember who did that video, but I felt, I felt like that was so fascinating. Um, well, imagine if, like, right now you were, like, doing super well financially. Would you want to challenge the status quo? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't know how I depends on what it was about. Yeah, that's for what instance, I'm saying. Like Cuban, for people who are comfortable, there's no real motivation for anything to change if things are going well for you. Well, okay. So, so for instance, Mark Cuban has a pharmaceutical company. I'm I'm probably gonna say this imp- improperly, but he has some type of pharmaceutical like discount company that he started, and it's like. So drugs that, you know, are vastly overpriced here in the United States. I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but they're like severely discounted. And so that in a way is challenging the status quo. So would would that be. Is that I mean, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think to be a good person, you can't just think about yourself. Absolutely. So that goes back to what I was saying before. But once again, that kind of is counter to a lot of the sort of religious messaging that's been propagated, especially in like mega churches where bad things are happening to other people because they're not giving enough money to the church and things are going well for you because you do. And favor isn't fair. So God just likes you better because you're doing the things he asked you to do. Same way that God stopped fucking with Saul because he didn't kill all the people he wanted him to. And David did, so that's his favorite now, and everybody can just fuck right off. People are losing their homes. People are are, are out of work, becoming unemployed, laid off, and stuff like that. Why would I have 10% to give to the fucking church? Well, Groceries what happens are high is you, you have the 90% that God left you because it's, it's protection money. That's all it is. But we can go yeah. on to the next sure okay oh david's wars Ooh. and what's even kills me i'm sorry one more thing and people go on and on about sexual immorality being sin that's david's jam like once again god is like that that's why it irritates me because leaders use this like the david story all the time as an excuse for fucking up where it's like, well, God still used David and he was a total fuck up. It's like, no, he was doing like you and just making shit up about what God said to him. Like, everybody can do that. People were doing it all over the world. This one just stuck because it got printed first. 
Also, before you okay. move on, because oh. Na- yeah. you asked this earlier, and I just wanted to clarify, Nathan is basically the moral compass for David in this. Um, Where did he come from, though? I like, know, that's I the thing. He didn't that. introduce the character. Yeah, I asked that, but that's that, that's kind of what it gave me. Once again, everyone says, like, oh, it's so beautifully written. It's like, right now, the structure is not great. Okay, David's Wars. Sometime afterward, David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. David took Megphaamah out of the hands of the Philistines. He also defeated the Moabites and making them lie down on the ground, measured them off with a cord. He measured two lengths of cord for those who were to be put to death and one length for those who were to be spared. And the Moabites became servants to David and brought tribute. David also struck down King Hadazir, son of Rehob of Zoab. He went to restore his monument at the river Euphrates. David took from him 1,700 horsemen and 20,000 foot soldiers. David hamstrung all the chariot horses, but left enough for a hundred chariots. When the Arameans of Damascus came to help King Hadadizar of Zobath, David killed 22,000 men of the Arameans. Then David put garrisons among the Arameans. Aramans of Damascus and the Aramans became servants to David and brought tribute. The Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. David took the gold shields that were carried by the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem from Betha, from Berothai, towns of Hadadezer. King David took a great amount of bronze. Then the king Toy of Hamath heard that David had defeated the whole army of Hadadezer, Toy sent his son Jerome or Jeram Joram to King David to greet him and to congratulate him because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him. Now Hadadezer had been to war with Toy. Joram brought with him articles of silver, gold, and bronze. These also King David dedicated to the Lord. And together with the silver and gold that he dedicated from the nations he subdued, from Eden, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Amalek, and from the spoil of King Hadadezer, son of Rehob of Zeboah, David won a name from himself. When he returned, he killed 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He put garrisons in Edom throughout all of Edom. He put garrisons and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. David's officers. So David reigned over all Israel. And David administered justice and equity to all his people. Joab, son of Zeruah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was recorder. Zadok, son of Ahitub, was Amalek's son of Abathar, were priests. Shariah was secretary. Beniah, son of Jehoiada, was over the Shirithites and the Plethlethites, and David's sons were priests. Thanks be to God. Also, he's 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 foregoing the practice of only the Levites being the priests. That's interesting. That was an interesting power move. Yeah, um, uh, this chapter has showed the business acumen of David even more. How so? <laughs> well, he was able to get his military achievements to be successful. He. Uh, <laughs> Apparently he had victory. He's killing a lot more people. 
he's taken over a lot more shit. So, hey, I, I mean, I don't know. This is David's shtick. What do you want from me? So he's killing thousands of people at a time. Do you think this could be, like, accurately described as genocide? Absolutely. 100%. I think so, too. And um, that's why I don't think he's a hero. I think it's bad to venerate people who commit acts of genocide. Who have we... I don't know what venerate means, but I'm going to assume it's, like, revere or something. See, come on, context clues. All right. So, but, but who... I mean, who... Other than Genghis Khan, who in history do we kind of put in that same? Because people hate Hitler, so most people. Sure. So um, I'm going to say the Catholic Church. Yeah, but that's not a single person. Like, that's a, a. Okay, I'll say George Washington. See, I've thought about George Washington, but I wasn't sure. Andrew Jackson. He's on our money. Massacred so a lot of Native Americans. Who's on the money? Um, I wouldn't say Benjamin Franklin. What about Anna, I don't think Anna he Spade. committed any acts of genocide. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say genocide. Um, um, I'm trying to think of people who are genocidal murderers that we revere. Um, I feel like it's a short list. Yeah, I think it's because he's not contextualized as a genocide. Well, I mean, murderer. we brought one up earlier, Christopher Columbus. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's got a holiday. So, yeah, um, I think having such a low bar for our heroes, like, I like even with George Washington, I I'm not so like. I mean, I can objectively say that he accomplished quite a bit and he was an extraordinary person, but it also doesn't mean that he wasn't a human trafficker, (laughs) you know, like that's, and I would say the same thing for David, like he was enslaving people, making them pay him tribute, like this wasn't, he just said God was talking to him. I don't think God was like, once again, if you want to like worship a God who is perfectly fine killing like entire populations of people and enslaving them go crazy i don't understand what is uh, uh people's obsession with bloodshed i mean we've had this talk so many times but yeah it's uh it's honestly kind of weird it's more than kind of weird it's very weird like human beings and that's the other thing too which is kind of sad what warlords understand is like no one's going to take you seriously unless they see some heads roll yeah which is really sad so I mean it just well why do you think that is like why do you think people can't can't accept because I always feel like that like I mean you've tried to tell me but like when I'll be like sometimes you just gotta let a nigga know like that's what that is like people don't take I you honestly seriously. feel like yeah. education changes that like I re- I was reading a thing the other day about mm. how learning to read literally remaps your brain mm. and um, sort of executive function so I think the key I think the more you stay limited in your own thoughts in your own world and your own patch of earth that makes you less likely to see the humanity and understand other people and want to just work things out. And so um, when you have like the coliseums in Rome and stuff like that, where, you know, that was entertainment for people to watch people fight and kill each other. 
you know, I, I don't think it's a good thing. I'd like to get away from it, but, you know, here Yeah, we with are. the modern-day version of that is football. American yeah, football. I'm not a big fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of American football either. I just um, – but that is, like, people like that energy in a way. Like, it, it – I don't know. I guess I accept that more in a way because it's – I mean, they're not necessarily trying to kill each other, although death can occur. Like, they're sacrificing their fucking bodies and, like, the one wrong hit or – And But, I mean, they're wrong. also in on it. You know what I mean? Like, they're not being – I mean, even though Terry Crews described the NFL as prison with money. Yeah. Um, I mean, they are still getting paid, and you do technically have the option of not doing it. Like, it's not actual slavery. So, um, I don't know. Do you want to read this last one? Yeah, sure. Um, David's – Oh. I just saw the title. I'm sorry. I was like, wow, we got it. We were just talking all this shit. And now there he's changed turn it around. Maybe. We'll see. David's kindness <laughs> to Mephibosheth. David asked. I think it's Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Okay. Mephibosheth. Uh, David asks, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness to Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and he was summoned to David. The king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. The king said, is there anyone remaining of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Ziba said to the king, there remains a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? Ziba said, to the king, he is in the house of Machir, son of Amiel at Lodeber. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, son of Amiel at Lodeber. How do you say it again? Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, uh, son of Jonathan, and son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and did Obi. Obeisance? Yeah. Obeisance. Obeisance. David said, Mephibosheth. He answered, I am, I am your servant. David said, Do not be afraid, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you yourself shall eat at my table always. He did obeisance and said, What is your servant that you should look upon a dead dog such as I? Uh, then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belongs to Saul and to all his house I will have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall to the land shall till the land for him and shall bring him in the produce so that your master's grandsons may have food to eat, but your master's grandson Mephibosheth shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord, the king commands his servant so that your servants will do, Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Mika. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, lived in Jerusalem for he always ate at the king's table. Now, he was lame in both his feet. Thanks be to God. All right, so I guess David did something nice, finally. He did, you know, because I maintain that, you know, Jonathan was his lover, 
and he found out one of his former lover's kids was down bad and decided to help him out. I do kind of remember this story because he was, his feet got messed up when his nursemaid tripped and robbed him. Damn. Yeah. When they were fleeing from an attack. Because this was a very violent time to live in. You're the second person that's told me some something about something happening to a baby. And it's just like one of the most horrible things that you can think about. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I don't really have too much to say with this one. Good on David, I guess. Like... That was that was cool. Once again, like I still wouldn't be like, oh wow, what a great guy. But you know, people a lot of times terrible people do occasionally do nice things. Well, I mean, nobody's all good and nobody's all bad. I don't. I really don't. Yeah, I I really feel like David's mostly feeding his bad wolf, but he's still got a good wolf in there. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. Oh, what are we gonna do with? With America, like, especially black Americans, like, I really want people to get away from this. Like, this is not helpful. The Bible? Yes. We're not just the Bible, really church culture, because we've established people aren't reading this thing. People don't read. That's another thing. They don't. The amount of books that we just said like it's remapping your mind i imagine that takes quite a bit of work like see our brains are already doing so much like it it yeah you ask they, me, our brains don't want to do extra stuff pre-recording now makes me think of like why i continued like why i didn't cancel today why i wanted to make sure that i'm doing the things because like i look around and i feel like i'm surrounded by like my friend's a lot of my friends don't read books. A lot of my friends are not doing that. A lot of my friends are, uh, you know, like they're just doing the bare minimum to get by. They don't read books. They don't try to better themselves. So because of that, it's like I don't want to fall into that category. Like I do want to read. I do want to like advance myself and be more than the sum of my parts and the more than my surroundings. And I don't know. I just so you think you're better than me. That's what people want to interpret it as. Nah. It's just like I don't want to. I'm not just gonna get. I'm not taking what just everybody giving me though. Like I don't. I don't. My thing is, that. I think everybody's better than this. Like I don't think I'm better than anybody. It's just I think everyone deserves better than this. Like people deserve to. People do, but people are. I think most people are naturally lazy, or not even that. Mm-hmm. I won't even. Well, we have a laziness bias, I think, that we have to overcome. I and I don't even think it's laziness. I think it's just because, no, for real, for real, our brains use a ton of energy just to be functional, just to keep us alive. And so when you ask it to do even more complex things that require even more calories, more energy, I think our default is no. But there's yes. more to us than just our default settings. Like we're able to go into preferences and be like, hey, actually, I want to select for this. And then our, our, our processing, it's like, but that's going to pull for our processing power. I'm like, that's fine. I'm just going to go to sleep earlier tonight. Yeah. That was a great metaphor. Yeah, that High was, five that was me. great. I, I mean, but that is really how it is. And so, yeah, like I said, I think a couple of podcasts ago, the price of winning changes daily and you have to be. If you want to be a winner, you have to be willing to pay that price and what it is. Sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low. But in order to be successful in life, you continuously have to show up. 
And I've, and you become your habits because it never gets easier, but you get better. Like whenever you see someone like, you know, performing an amazing act of athleticism or dancing or performing like an instrument, it's not easy now. It's just they've improved themselves. So it feels easy to them. Yeah. But it wasn't easy getting in those thousands of hours it take, took to do a fingertip catch. Yeah. you know in the end zone like that stuff's not easy it's never easy but that person just got so much better that they were able to do it consistently so yeah and I would say too don't be discouraged when you're not able to do it at first like that's the thing I think that's why people give up because they're like yeah, I'm not amazing it's like when you work out like you go to the gym three times and it's like well why don't I look amazing but that's the arrogance of people like people expect <laughs> just to show up and be good and that's not how things work you have to suck sometimes and then but you keep at it and you like it mean like you mm-hmm. said you get a little bit better and you get a little bit more mm-hmm. better and then eventually you look up and it's like oh shit like i'm vastly better than a lot yeah. of the people i'm around yeah and also too if you don't feel like reading the bible we'll just keep reading it to you i mean there's always that option so next time on the Bible breakdown, the Ammonites and uh, Arameans are defeated. I feel like this is a little out of order because I felt like they already talked about that, but whatever. David commits adultery with Bathsheba, hubba hubba, and um, uh, Bathsheba's Bathsheba child died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it looks like we're gonna be getting into some drama. I actually do like this story arc. We're getting into some more sexy time. We're getting yeah. to the sexy part of the Bible. Those are some of the interesting parts, for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, your body belongs to you. So, you know, Be have curious, some fun with it. not judgmental. And um, Bible Breakdown. Podcast, podcast at gmail.com. Gmail. Oh, bless. Uh, or here, you, here you say it. Bible Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com and um, yeah, get therapy. Get mental health therapy. It's important. But also, you know what? Go to the gym. If you don't want to go to the gym, at least take a walk. Do something physical for like 20 to 30 minutes every day. What about, what if we have um, like some listeners who might be paraplegic or have if heart you, conditions you know, and can't do that? That is true. If you can't do that, I don't know what kind of workouts you can do. Um, well, well, okay. So paraplegic is just you. You're in a wheelchair. Yeah, like no arms or legs. You can't use your arms oh, or legs. Oh, okay. Or no, para is half. Quadriplegic okay. is when so paraplegic, top and bottom. Uh, do the pull-ups. Um, quadriplegic. <laughs> Do whatever you have to do to feel good. I think yeah, that's okay, a that's good where, metric. Why, why would I just you don't want to be able. I'm just not. I'm just not ableist like TK. Just say that beforehand, Boom. though. Like, I'm a I, good person. No, I'm just setting me up for like looking. Bad. No, no. I'm just kidding. But no, I do think we should be more inclusive in our language. Absolutely. You know, like not because because that's another thing about the Bible. We'll get to it, but it's very mean towards disabled people. Like, I think there were people like you couldn't go into the tabernacle if you were lame or had your testicles crushed. And that's not fair. Which. I feel like that just in, uh, plays into like bully culture. 
Because people he does. Know, people, I remember that time Trump wouldn't um, he wouldn't. There was some like veterans parade going on and there were some disabled veterans. And he was like, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> yeah. What a what a. Prank. But this is what I mean by living in a simulation. Yeah. Like people saying that like. Yeah. Yeah. But he's a personification of the Bible. God like he he acts exactly like the character of God in the Bible. Nothing's ever his fault. I'm rich and powerful. I will destroy you. I will crush you. I don't really give a fuck about my kids. Um, like, yeah. And I don't ever have to be accountable to anybody. And no, I'm not paying your bills. And nah, I definitely don't read. The interview of him when they were like, oh, so you read the Bible? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's a good book or something. And they were like, oh, so what specifically do you like about it? And he's just like, well, I'm not going to get into that right now. But it's a great book. I've read it all. Like, I just I love the deflection. And but that's how I mean, that's why people love him, because they're like, yeah, that's how I am. But it's like, not even I, good I deflection. Shit. It's like at least give me good no. deflection. He doesn't have to. It's, it's like, that's it's like really he's not working any deflection. harder than he has to. Yeah. Oh, did we talk about Diddy? We talked about him last episode. Oh, we did. Okay, cool. But he stepped down from since then. Puff has stepped because down because there's another accusation. There's another accusation. Because then they brought Aaron Hall into it. I was like, damn. Yeah, Puff been wild. I was like, he has. A lot of men have. That was the thing too. Because I think he thought he had missed out on the Me Too wave. But you know, black people, we do everything late. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> Man, he pissed. can't go good. through your life pissing everybody off and then expecting like it just to be roses and, and also peaches. too this goes to show i don't believe there's any such thing as ethical billionaires if you manage to accumulate billions term. of dollars i hate, I hate when people i think say that. well can i finish can am i allowed to finish i don't think you can accumulate that amount of wealth without ripping people off that means somebody didn't get paid they just recently did the thing like on Rihanna, like, and peace to her. I love her. And a lot of people, they're not that connected to their manufacturing process to understand how unethical it is. But like, basically, the places that make her clothes, they use slave labor. And it's like, it's this, you know, like, it's not, but why don't you like the term ethical billionaire? I don't like the term. I don't like when people say there's no such thing because we haven't, first of all, we haven't interviewed all of the billionaires. So we don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a mathematical equation. It's not a personal accusation. It's like just mathematically. Well, that's how math works, though. So, like, you can't just ignore the fact that if there's this massive amount of numbers going in that direction, it's because you didn't send it in other directions where it should have gone. So, according to Bard, because I asked, is there such thing as an ethical billionaire? Uh, Bard said the question of whether there can be ethical billionaires is a complex one that has been debated by philosophers, economists and social commentators for many years. There is no easy answer as it depends on how one defines ethical and billionaire. So there right there we meet, reach our first crossroads arguments for the existence of ethical because everybody's ethics principles. Everything is all different. Um, well, I'm just saying the ethics of slavery is bad. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not like I'm not going against your point per se. I just think that I just think for Americans, our goal, we're told, is we should be billionaires. And I think that is not a worthy goal. 
And the fact too that we have all these. I, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and you know, I read read a lot of books. A continuing theme is that the more wealth people tend to acquire, the unhappier they become. And I think it might have to do with the paradox of choice, which is for human beings, the more choices we have. I'm just saying this is a psychological, like observable phenomenon phenomenon of the paradox of choice, where Mm -hmm. the more choices you have, the more unhappy you are and more money gives you more choices, which logically seems like it would be better. But I've noticed that with wealthy people who seem to be flourishing, at least not killing themselves, they have routines where they don't have to make a lot of choices. So they'll do a lot of the same Mm -hmm. things so that they're not overwhelmed by the massive amount of choices they could be making. So that's all I'm, I'm just pointing out that like wealth isn't the ultimate goal for satisfaction and well-being. Okay. I agree with that. And to be clear, the thing that I don't agree with is not the paradox of choice. What I actually don't agree with is I think that it depends on how you attain the wealth. If I was given the wealth, then I think there's a higher chance that there's a sense of entitlement. There's a sense of unhappiness because I think inherently humans get a sense of accomplishment when we work to achieve a goal, whether it's fucking playing Flappy Bird on your phone or when you or if you're building you know a tech company like i just think inherently that's how we are like accomplishing goals knocking things off a list makes us feel better when we just wake up and like have a day have too many days where it's like oh i don't have to do anything or i don't have to work or do anything like i think that kind of becomes boring it's kind of sounds like well but I, think to be. Even, but I will say even for people who don't have the inherited wealth like they earn it a lot of times they still fall into depression once they reach that wealth like uh, I... Neil, Neil Bruno Brennan talks about that a lot um even the chick from horrible decisions like I've heard the story over and over again like even if you did get it out the mud even once you reach this pinnacle for whatever reason because it didn't feel like you thought it was going to feel or because you're burdened by everything that you've taken on in the process like it does a lot of it's just i want people to understand that if you're depressed right now getting money doesn't get rid of the depression and can actually exacerbate it i agree with that because but that again goes into another point i was going to make how are we what is your intention behind it? Because a lot of us do look at it and be like, oh, money will solve all my problems. But as somebody who's not had money, as somebody who's had money, like you kind of start to realize like, oh, yes, you do need a certain amount of money to meet your Maslow's hierarchy of needs type thing. But also a lot of this other shit matters, like time that you spend with family, friends, doing the things that you like to do is actually what makes you will make you happy in the end it's not buying yachts and shit like honestly i don't why the fuck would i want to own a yacht first of all it's i don't mind i don't mind being on one i wouldn't actually want to be on a yacht i don't like boats i don't like going out to see where i can't see the shore anymore this was my dream your your dreams don't no no Okay, thank you. (laughs) Just like a woman telling me my dreams don't matter. (laughs) They don't. Oh, good for her. She told him she only saw him as a drug dealer and he wanted to be more than that. That was she was one of the worst written characters of oh crap. Am I recording? 
we're kind of over the we're kind of in the regular yeah, show now are. anyway yeah but um uh yeah she's one of the worst written female characters of all time because in real life a mother of three would not want her partner to continue being a drug dealer like and no you can't out, say in real in your life i know plenty of women who and like, here's the other thing he still could have done it Here's the thing. He does plenty of things without Tasha's permission, like fucking Angela. I don't think he got Tasha's sign off on that one. So it's just you do what you want to do and then you blame the people you want to blame for it. But eh, he could have yeah, stopped no, being I a mean, drug dealer. And my whole thing is like the thing that bothered me most about Ghost wasn't even the drug dealing. It was all the murders. Killed a lot of people. Well, that's kind of what comes with that business. Sure. Maybe like, David. You want to talk about a... there's no I don't think there's ethical like drug dealers. I mean, yeah, I agree. I don't I'm not a big fan of the crack epidemic. I didn't like I that's really one of the reasons I don't watch um gangsters. what is it? Uh uh CMB. What is it? Uh what is the little uh that show about Big Meech? Oh <laughs> B yeah, Black Mafia family, BMF. BMF, yeah, I couldn't watch that. I remember it the looks whatever, terrible. huh? It looks terrible. People said it's good, but every time I see, it, I feel like this I, when like I the one episode I watched was about them selling crack out of a food truck at a factory, and I remember just being so sad when I thought about because like my dad worked in a factory, and it's like that would have been such an easy person to exploit. These people are, you know. Um, sleep deprived like there's also you know they're usually working third shift which has been proven to be bad for your health and yeah. then you're just trying to get a sandwich and someone's like hey I got that crack I'll help you keep you awake and it will you know it'll help you with your shift but then it's like oh it'll also ruin your life but it'll make me rich so it's great yeah I didn't like it at all I felt it was kind of venerating drug culture or drug dealer culture See, it, it had an aesthetic, though. I will say the aesthetic was cool, like how they dress, like the clothes and hair yeah. and stuff like that. The cars. 80s is the shit. The 80s, 90s. Not really, but I mean, I mean, you know, I was, don't know. It was, it was tacky. Was, uh, it was good, tacky fun, but it wasn't, it was uh, nothing to aspire to. And I think when we, I don't think we make a, as much of a big deal about the crack epidemic as we should, especially since a lot of the people responsible for it are still alive. I'm looking at you, Oliver North. Um, yeah, yeah. Ronald Reagan's not alive. He's not. No, he did. Is the first George Bush? Is he still alive? Uh, I don't know. I feel like he died. I don't know. It doesn't matter. They're never going to face any kind of retribution because no, they, <laughs> George Bush does not care about black people. Oh no! Yeah, he died in 2018. Oh, good. George Herbert Herbert Walker. and what's crazy is he was one of the good ones like Herbert he was Walker. yeah like as far as Republicans go he had a lot of principles for one he got out of the Middle East that was the right move um but yeah he um and that cost him his election he ended up losing to Clinton um all of these people ugh, I would say at least I will I will say that the first George Bush, I'll say at least he read. It's just seriously, he did not care about black people at all. Look, man, these motherfuckers ain't playing the same game as you and I. Like yeah, that's the that's thing. True. That's why yeah. another reason I like reading and learning about shit. Because it's like you have to learn 
if you don't want to be exploited, you need to yeah. learn the game. And like got people get so content on just like, oh, I just want to look good, or I just want to like like that is not how rich people do things at all. Like they don't have logos at all. They don't. Mm -mm. They flex different. They buy art. They do. They do. And they stay real low. You don't know the names of the people who are running your life. Trust me. No, because and it's not Bill Gates. Everybody can calm down with that. I mean, I feel like he's in the conversation. He's the face of a lot of all of it. Mm. Ooh, yay! Oh, I got invited to a Christmas party. Oh, okay. We're all right. I'm gonna stop recording. Okay. Bye.